Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name is John Tunger, and on this episode, I'm joined by Eric Nyerman. He's one of the most prominent video game and alternative asset investors, and I really don't say that lightly. He was recently in the news for purchasing a copy of The Legend of Zelda that was donated to Goodwill. Someone donated it, they put it on an auction site, and the bidding war started to go crazy. Eric was able to snag this copy of The Legend of Zelda for $411,000. And that's just one example of how video games have been absolutely popping off in the alternative asset markets. Candidly, I don't know a ton about vintage graded video games, and so it's great to have Eric on the show. But it's also timely for some other reasons as well. There's a YouTube documentary that's been circulating around alternative asset Twitter. It's called Exposing Fraud and Deception in the Retro Video Game Market. And it really targets a couple specific people and companies like WADA, the company that grades video games, and their CEO. There's some others in there as well, where they accuse them of inflating prices in the video game market, using different auction houses to do so. And so if you haven't seen that, I will link it in the show notes. But Eric was also someone that was mentioned in that video. And for about five minutes in the beginning of this podcast, we talk about how he got into collecting and investing. And then I actually give him a chance to respond to that video and give his opinion slash statement of what it's accusing him of. And just so you don't have to click the video, find where it talks about Eric. Basically, it really highlights an article that the Washington Post wrote about Eric, claiming that he's an avid collector, and basically he's pouring his money into these assets because he loves them, while also hoping for them to really appreciate so that he can financially benefit from the video game market growing in size. Eric addresses this head on, but it's a good reminder that, especially here on Grails with Alton Insights, we wanna be at the hub of a lot of these conversations. Just because we have someone like Eric, or maybe someone even on the other side of this argument on our show, that doesn't mean that we specifically endorse that opinion, but we really wanna be able to facilitate what's going on in the alternative asset world. And it's another good reminder for us that people talk frequently about assets that they're interested and actively investing in. And so as consumers of content in this space, we just always need to be listening and perceiving for ourselves what the motives of the person talking are, no matter who it is or what is being said, right? As always, independent research and verification decision-making is critical and one source should never be enough. And as always, we should proceed with caution especially in alternative assets where the opportunity and risk are both so high. All right, lawyers in the back, are we good? We're good, lawyers? Yep, good, check. All right, let's get started. I first got into sports cards because I had crazy nostalgia for it and I was a sports card collector when I was a kid. And then I just started buying cards that I wasn't able to afford when I was younger and now I could afford and it was just the thrill of that. Um, then when I started realizing it also could be used as a passive investment, it got me, it piqued my interest even more and I started kind of uh, grooming myself to not only collect out of passion and nostalgia, but also about, you know, the upside of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then I just started having crazy ideas in my mind, honestly, that one thing led to another. Um, first I started getting heavier into graded cards and, and, and put more money into it than I was before as like a more serious investment. Then 
out of nowhere, I just thought of the idea of, hey, why wouldn't I buy like a sealed iPhone, um, a first generation iPhone? Because that also brings me nostalgia when it came out and it also changed my life. But it has that added effect of a seal that, wow, maybe that would really, really make the supply and demand um, of such an item so much more attractive as an investment. Um, because how many people would have bought a, a few hundred dollar iPhone at the time when it was new and exciting and not thought to open it? So, yeah. <laughs> and then that, then when I discovered video games, it was like sports cards and iPhones crashing into one as some amazing, amazing collectible. I had crazy nostalgia for it. It had a seal and didn't make sense not to be open. It just had everything. It was like, it was graded just like sports cards and it had a seal grade and WADA was coming out at the time. And they just seemed to like be on the very same page of what I was looking for in grading um, to grade the seal separately from the game and write all the print information to separate one Zelda from the next Zelda. It was just like, it was really mind blowing. It was like something that I discovered in myself and like everything was just piecing together of something that not only I really thought would be a great investment, but something that um, would um, elaborate my passion even more for collecting and could turn into something huge. The problem is at the time when I when I discovered this and I had this this vision about video games, um, I I really wanted to do this properly and I wanted to do it to the fullest because I really believed in it. Um, mm. But I didn't have enough money to, you know, buy because at that time most people think that in 2018 or 2019 video game collecting started. It didn't. I, I was speaking <laughs> to investors that have been doing it for two decades. Um, so you weren't getting games at that point for $600. They were still $10,000, $20,000. And the people who had what they had searched for these things for years, and they knew what they had. Um, so yeah. I knew if I want to make a massive, unbelievable museum-like collection, it's going to take more than a few thousand dollars um, that I had um, disposable. So I had no choice, and I thought it was a great idea. Just pitch it to other investors. First of all, we could share in the upside, um, which is great because – I, I just enjoy that. I, I love I love my little WhatsApp groups and getting feedback from people that like, hey, thanks for sort of telling me about investing in this. I did so well. I just love that. That's part of the passion is helping other people um, enjoy this and make money. Um, so I teamed up with investors. We bought we very transparently bought a million dollars worth of the best games that we saw were very underappreciated and rare and culturally significant at the time, and yep. uh, that was our bet. That was our bet, you know, and then I took it as, as a responsibility to then go for my investors and market the hobby, not market it so I could pump it up and, uh, and get people to spend outlandish prices and then sell and run off into the sunset. That's not why I did it. Um, I marketed it because I felt they were so under, underappreciated that I wanted to be one of the stewards who bring that to the appreciation that they deserve. And I saw Luka Doncic selling for three hundred thousand dollars out of a pack um that you know panini just decided to put a one of one on um yet my video game that is the only one in the world that was kept sealed for 35 years should only be worth six thousand dollars it just didn't make right. sense to me so i wanted to be one of the stewards of getting it to that appreciation it's not a pump and dump it's not uh to take advantage of anyone financially it's that i want i felt the responsibility to myself the hobby and my investors to bring the appreciation close to where it should be yeah, I mean, and especially when we're looking at an industry that's like, you know, wine collecting, hey, sports card, there's been a lot of collectors for a really long time publicly talking about this stuff, right? There's whole markets around it where video games, it's it's so much more new. Um, so, I mean, you're kind of even teeing it up there, talking about these assets and pump and dump and that sort of stuff. 
Um, we were talking a little bit before we clicked record on this podcast, but there were some some pretty serious accusations made from a video that's going around. And so I want to be able to give you a, a chance to address those and even talk about what you really think your role in this whole thing is and, and yeah, address the video. Yeah. So when I initially watched the video, I I didn't really think much of it I because um, I didn't really feel that there was any accusations being placed against me other than um, wanting to benefit from the video game hobby doing well, um, which I thought was known to everyone in public knowledge and I've been very transparent about. Um, so I didn't really think that it needs a response, but my response would be um, that I am very transparently and publicly invested in the in the video game game um, hobby, not only by myself but with my investors. Um, every almost every accusation that was made was read straight out of a public Washington Post article. Um, the only thing that I think was very misleading uh, from the article was that he's right. Um, they portrayed me as a much more avid collector than I truly was in 2019. I think uh, I think I was less avid than I was portrayed, um, and I didn't tell him to write that, but it is what it is. Um, right. But all jokes aside, I hope everybody knows that I'm I'm trying to bring appreciation to a highly severely underappreciated asset that I think mm -hmm. is underappreciated in the alternative asset space. And I will continue doing that. I will continue supporting WADA because the same reason we signed up, we brought put all our games in WADA cases from the beginning because we think they're superior grading company and they grade better and they care more about information. And frankly, I really like the people who work there too. Um, yeah. And we have, we have great relationships. So, I don't know, collusion, conspiracies. That's that's what I've been doing. I've been very open about it, and that's what I'm going to continue doing. And honestly, if you think that this is overappreciated for what it is, please do not ever buy a sealed video game, ever, if you think that. That's all I could say. But I'm going to continue buying, and I actually hope that some people will start selling some of their rare games because people have been so... Um, so protective of their games as they see what's happening. So maybe a, a few nice games will flood the market um, that I could continue buying. Um, yeah. But I'm in this for the long term. Um, I plan on doing this for the next decade or two or maybe for the rest of my life. And I love video games and I love alternative assets. And I'm going to continue marketing um, underappreciated assets and getting investors on board with me to continue investing in assets that are way underappreciated. And I think some people would say like so much of that conspiracy or mystery around video games comes from um, there being no pop reports. So if you're listening, uh, if you listen to our last episode um, that we, me and Dylan broke down basically how there's no pop reports and that kind of makes investing in video games uh, harder because it's not like going to sports cards where there's a PSA tells you how many of each specific card that's been graded there. And so a lot of people say, well, why are there no pop reports? Is this trying to manipulate the prices, all of that? What, what would you kind of say to that? Uh, maybe one, why is there no pop reports? Are they coming <laughs> to your knowledge? And could that be used to like artificially manipulate the market? So um, I'm very annoyed that the pop reports were, haven't been released. I've been the biggest proponent of releasing the pop reports from the beginning. I have no inside pull at WADA. Um, I've told Dennis, who I'm friends with a billion times, like, oh, I can't wait for them to release it. You really should release it. But that's their business decision to make, and they will not base it off me in any way. Um, but yes, it's very risky to invest in a space like this where people are touting things as rare and not knowing how rare or 
lack thereof, they really are. That's why before I invested a million dollars, I spoke to hundreds of collectors. Um, I made an iPhone note in my phone um, of my own little pop report of everything I was collecting, how many there are in the world, how many VGA has graded, how many WADA has graded, how many are still raw, um, who owns them. And it was only then that I presented that to my investors and I said, look, people are saying this is pop three. I not only can confirm it's pop three, but I know the three owners who who have the who have it, and that and I would never ever invest that much money, especially other people's money, unless I had that information. Right. Now, was it annoying to have to get that information through hours of networking and and due diligence? Yeah, I wish I could just open up an app like I do on PSA and just look it up, but we're not there yet. Right. Um, I would love if they released it yesterday, uh, I, and I think it's very important. And I and I think that if you're skeptical about spending a lot of money before pop reports come out you should be skeptical and just don't 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 get involved yet yeah wait until the pop reports come out and then and then if you're not willing to do the sweat and tear due diligence and you want it like uh you know served to you as as many people should or don't have time to do the due diligence then wait right you could always collect even if nintendo games are not affordable you could collect ps3 games you could do whatever you want um but there's there's risk there's risk um but you got to know what you're getting into and you got to be smart. Right. I mean, and one would even say that there is a lot of arbitrage to be found there if you're willing to put the work in. Um, and and that's one reason why as a whole, alternative assets are such an opportunity right now because there's a lot of a lot of arbitrage to be found. How would someone who is looking to get invested in this stuff, because I know we're all out there and, and I'm even one of them, where do I even start um, to start to try and do my own research when I see a game that might be interesting, whether that's just like on the market in a private sale or even fractionally on something like Rally or Otis? Where, or how do I even get going? Um, I mean, I, I guess it's the same thing as I did. I would just network is just so important. You could ask me. I'm very open with whatever I know about pop reports. Um, as far as I know, I, I don't know anything about Game Boy Advance. I don't know anything about Atari games. I concentrate on NES, a little bit of Super Nintendo, and a little bit of N64. So if you have a question about um, a rare black box game, I could probably give you more information than you can um, get by spending 10 hours on the internet searching <laughs> and looking at old sales. And I'm here for that. And I'm yeah. open and transparent with that. Um, there are other people who I know who I could refer you to who are, know much more about PS2 games or whatever it is. Um, but right now you got to network. And as I said, if you're not willing to put in the work, stay away. Stay away. Or just take a big risk and, and go for it and don't complain later. Yeah. And then in that uh, that Washington Post article, a couple things that were brought up. One, you have an investor group, and you've even said this already, that go is going and basically you know, I'm assuming you're uh, raising this money, going and trying to find assets that you know you have an opportunity with. Uh, could you talk a bit about that group? Uh, we love to kind of pull back the curtain behind the scenes and and say like, oh yeah, hey, this is how it's structured or or things like that. And this is kind of our thesis when it comes to different assets that we're investing in. Honestly, it, it was very informal. Um, I just didn't have um, enough money to do what I to do what I wanted to. Just like any business, when you get started, you have a vision, but you just don't have the capital. Yeah. So my brother-in-law kind of uh, clued me into the idea of raising capital for it, which I've never done in my life. Mm. And I didn't know how to do it, so I just did what, what first came to my head. Go talk to a cousin who did well in real estate and has a little bit of exposable cash. Go speak to a neighbor. Um, I just literally made meetings around Hollywood, Florida with all my cousins who are successful, with all my neighbors who are successful, with anyone who would want to listen to me. And I just told them what I'm seeing. Wow, and 
they had to look at you like you were crazy. Like you want to take yeah. my money and do what? Like how did how did, yeah. how did that go? Yeah, you know what? They 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 asked me the right questions, and a lot of them made me go back and research. One of them, the first thing he said to me, he goes, "I I really like your idea, but I'm only gonna consider investing if you go research how comic how high end comic books did." throughout the recession of the 2008 market crash. So I spent a Sunday. I told my kids and my, and my wife, I'm, I'm, I'm doing work today. And I studied comic books through the, through the 2008 financial market crash. Wow. And I gave him back a report, and he was happy with what he saw. And I can tell you what we saw is that the top, top games, I meant the top, top comic books, Action 1 and First Appearance of Batman and all those, they, there was very few sales in 2008. But in 2009, when, when, when confidence came back and people started investing again, they picked up right where they left off. They, there was never a real dip in sales at any mm. point. So my thesis was, we're going to buy the top, top games that are recession-proof. Is Atari Spider-Man recession-proof? Probably not. But we mm. weren't looking at that because I, I happen to have known that there are boxes and boxes of Atari Spider-Man sealed out there. Um, when I looked into Gumshoe, sticker sealed, which is the first print, I was told that there was one of them. I asked everybody on the planet, um, and there was not another one that exists. So I, so that's recession proof to me. Yeah. Um, it's just you know we we did a lot of due diligence, and these are smart people that invested with me. And also, I'll add to the fact that no one invested more than they were than than their risk tolerance for for what I was for what I was suggesting. You might have a guy who normally invests in uh, real estate ten million dollars. And then to me, he's looking at it, he's like, wow, this is extremely risky and speculative. I'll give you $50,000. Right. So, you know, they, they just gave me money based on, you know, their due diligence and what they thought their risk tolerance was for what I was proposing. And, you know, I didn't know much about business at the time, but, you know, going back, it makes sense. This is what these people do. And, and even what you're saying about the recession, that makes sense. It's it's kind of what we've heard with art and stuff. It's like these aren't assets that people liquidate right away if they need quick cash or things like that, right? It's typically more sentimental. It's, they like to hold on to it. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so other other things, I mean, another thing that, that even Washington Post article brought up was people investing in the original artwork off video games. I thought that was crazy cool. Um, do you have any of that in your collection? Is that something that you're pursuing as well? No, so um, I don't. Um, it's just too much it was just too much for me but yeah pretty much the what was beautiful about that is the one collector he goes by bronte on on uh, social media um his main um reason for selling me his cherished video sealed video games was to invest in to, to continue his investment in original video game art that became his passion more than sealed video games wow. so for example he located the original artwork for contra um, in Sweden, an artist in Sweden had it who got it from the original artist. Wow. And um, at the time, he needed the money that I was giving him for the video games to fund that purchase, which he's been he had been scouring the earth for it for two years, and he finally found it. So I was very happy to further that passion of the hobby that I'm not necessarily involved in, but he was. Um, so all this was very organic. Wow. And there was no bad intentions here. Um, that's all I could say is like, it, it just, it, it gave, it gave me the feels yeah. and it gave everyone around me the feels and, um, will we benefit from this financially in the future? Probably. And, uh, I just don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. 
What other kind of assets? Um, so you said iPhones in your collection, and I don't know if this is part of your investment group or if this is just stuff in your own personal collection. But uh, what else are you? What else are you looking at right now? I, we love to, to keep so, hearing your thesis. Yeah. So my thesis is always very simple. It's based on low supply and high demand, or low supply and currently low demand, low demand that will eventually have high demand but stay low supply. Um, so that's what video games sealed, especially uh, spoke to me about. Hmm. Um, sealed iPhones were the same thing. Um, just things that don't make sense to exist in, in high populations. And people are just like kind of looking over and missing. Um, so I really saw ticket stubs recently as, as a really exciting asset class. Yeah. Um, but I specifically took a little niche for myself out of that. And I said, let me just concentrate on debut ticket stubs. Why? Hmm. Because anyone who went to Kobe's first game saw him get a couple rebounds and not score one bucket. Um, so they probably threw out their ticket. Um, yet I feel that that game changed the world because it was Kobe's first time playing an NBA official NBA game. Wow. So in my mind, I think that's something that people are looking over and is underappreciated and will continue to have an extremely low population because people didn't think to save it. Right. You went to a Super Bowl ticket and you paid $3,500 in 1999 and you saw, who knows, like the most amazing game of your life, you probably saved that ticket. So the, the, the supply is going to be higher on that. Right. Um, I have no problem with someone... I think Super Bowl tickets are awesome. Um, I just really like finding things that people are like missing um, and for some reason have a low supply and will eventually have a high demand. Um, a debut ticket spoke to me like that. So I started buying every single best player that I could think of their debut stubs. Wow. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's definitely risen and I, I think it's still underappreciated. And this is not investment advice. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, but I, again, did my due diligence and I checked up easily on the PSA app. How many Kobe debut tickets have they graded? It was like seven to ten. So I'm like, come on. Uh, you know, this is too easy. One of those, I yeah. think it's so cool. Yeah. And again, it's recession proof. Uh, uh, it's just like I don't want to sell that. And if I sell it, it'll be something crazy that, that someone offers me to be one of the ten people who have this, what I think is an amazing part of history. Yeah. Um, and Bob Ross paintings are the same thing. I watched a documentary about Bob Ross and how much of a legend he is and the fact that you can you cannot get one of his original paintings. So I said, hell yeah, I'm going to find his original paintings. They're out there and I'm going to find them. Mm. And I already found around seven or eight um, original works of his in the first three months that I've been doing this. Wow. And I plan on having 50 or more within a couple of years. And again, uh, when I when I look, I, I, when I go to my office and I look at a Bob Ross hanging on my on my office wall knowing that that same quality painting is now in the Smithsonian Museum that people are gawking at, and I could do it in my in my office. Um, that just gives me the feels, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'll probably financially benefit from that as well, and that's okay. But I enjoy it, and I love it, and I'm going to continue searching out underappreciated assets and getting them more appreciated. Yeah, Golden's coming up with a. Uh... They, a, a special auction here where they're doing like trading card games and video games and, and stuff like that. Um, when you, when you see something like that, like are a lot of those areas now things that you've kind of missed the rise on already. Like, are you like, man, if you're trying to get into this, looking for underappreciated assets, you got to dig deeper things that haven't hit like auctions like that yet. Right. Like these unique ticket stubs and things like you're saying, um, or do you see plays even in these things that are starting to get more market attention? Well, there's definitely always plays because, I mean, look at the baseball card market. I mean, this has been particularly hot for a long time. Um, 
but there are still people who are 10xing in you know on their investments yeah within the sports card market you know but it just depends on where you want to play it if you're going into it as an investor then there are many plays to be had everywhere if you're going to a collector what's the difference just buy what you like buy what gives you the feels and if it goes up great you could go on social media and tell everyone how smart you are um if it doesn't just enjoy owning it yeah. um that's that's the thing um so yeah so video games is it late in the game for the original nintendo stuff yeah um there are very few people who can who can afford you know the the best stuff at this point yeah but a if you want to make good money you could still buy ps2 for for cheaper than you know for somewhat affordable if you're investing um or if you just grew up on ps2 buy it anyway um, but yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm still always looking for the next big thing and I'm always looking for something even less appreciated and less appreciated yep. as one thing pops. I'm looking around just because I enjoy it yep. and I'm passionate about it, but there's always plays to be made. You just got to do your due diligence, be smart. And if the investment plays out great, you could, um, enjoy what you have and make some money. And if not, you could just enjoy what you have. And you know, everyone, every person does, should do what's responsible with their own money and their own time. And that's everyone's business and no one else's business. Um, that's it. That's all I can say. I'm doing it and uh, you should do it as well if you if you want to. Any last words that you'd want to bring up for the people here that are listening? Um, I just want to say that I really, really, really appreciate all the support that's been flowing in from uh, many people who uh, support what I'm doing and what other people are doing. And uh, I I hear you. I appreciate you. And I'm really, really, really happy and devoted to whoever follows me and whoever, you know, shares in my vision. And I appreciate you guys. I mean, uh, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to have fun and, and do what I love to do. And the support really helps. And it's, it's really, um, gives me new enthusiasm every single day. Um, uh, when I see how excited other people get, um, from what I'm doing. For the lawyers in the back, a quick disclaimer. You understand that by listening to this podcast, you are not receiving financial advice. No content published here constitutes a recommendation that any particular security, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. You alone are solely responsible for determining whether an investment, security, or strategy, or any other product or service is appropriate or suitable for you based on your investment, objectives, and personal financial situation. Please speak with a financial advisor to understand if the risks inherent in trading are appropriate for you. Trade at your own risk. Bum, bum, bum.